Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. from the Torah. This is Leah Haroni. Today is the ninth month of the Hebrew month of Sivan, the 8th of June, and this week we will be reading the Torah portion of Behalotcha, in which Aaron Kohen, Aaron the priest, lights the candles of the menorah. This is where he is commanded to do so. We are just two days after the holiday of Shavuot, we have received the Torah. We're standing near Mount Sinai with our hands full, with our minds blown by this amazing experience of direct communication with God. Every single one of the Jewish people, of the millions of the Jews, communicated with God directly. The Jewish people, Judaism, is the only religion in the world that claims a mass revelation. There's no such thing anywhere else in the world. Every single other religion has an individual revelation to one person. But the Jewish people is the only religion, the only faith that claims a mass revelation to millions of people. And this is very often quoted as proof of the veracity of the Torah. Because if the Jewish people all got revelation and then they pass the story down to their kids... For generations, we don't lie to our kids. We really want our kids to have a correct vision of the world. And there's no other nation that has claimed where every single parent, going back not so many generations, maybe a hundred generations, every single person a hundred generations ago in our family had a direct revelation of God. So, All of today's show is going to be dedicated to how to take this energy of receiving the Torah. And as we're going into the summer, the four months we have in front of us until we get to Rosh Hashanah, how to utilize this amazing energy of the summer when everything is hot and everything is uh, flowering and there's a lot of fruit out there, how to utilize this energy for spiritual growth. How to make sure that we don't go into the bad places of them, the anger, getting heated up, you know, the violence. How to by-step those places and make sure we channel this amazing, amazing spiritual energy for achievements and results so that we get to Rosh Hashanah with a full plate, a full basket of spiritual achievements. Stay the food. We will be right back after these messages. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom! I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back. So we're after the holiday of Shavuot. We have finished the entire holiday cycle of the Jewish year. 
And now we're facing four more months of the summer before this year is over and the next year begins. In, in the Torah, every single year has its own energy, its own task, its own job. And the entire year is a cycle through which we'll learn new things, we develop, we get new things done. And then when Rosh Hashanah comes, then we go on another cycle in a spiral way in which each year is another rung on this spiral, hopefully going up. If you remember before Rosh Hashanah, we discussed the fact that the Tanya, the book that explains the Hasidic uh, methodology and the Hasidic understanding of the world explains that every year just before Rosh Hashanah, the night before Rosh Hashanah, all of the understanding, the thought, the awareness, the consciousness of the previous year leaves us. And on Rosh Hashanah, on the Jewish New Year, as we pray and as we blow the shofar, we get an influx of new consciousness, new awareness, new knowledge, new abilities for the coming year. And actually, this process also happens every single morning when we pray the morning prayers. That's why the morning prayers have a certain set time. That's the time of the download, so to speak. But each year has its own download for the purposes of the work of this year. And then the year itself, as it progresses, this download becomes expanded, we apply it, we learn from it, we get things done. But every part of the year has a different kind of energy. So the holiday season from Rosh Hashanah with Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchat Torah is the time when we get this influx of energy, of purity, of happiness, of ability. We take the load, we load everything in, we get everything, um, all our baggage together, so to speak, for the year. And then with the end of Simchat Torah, we go into the fall, and that's where our year starts. And then, just like if you plant a seed, the first thing that happens is that the seed is covered up with mud, with earth, with ground, and there it decomposes. You don't see any growth. It's dark. Nothing seems to happen. And that is really the energy of the winter. The energy of the winter is like a pregnancy. Everything is covered. It's dark. You don't see really anything happening. But all of that energy is working up inside of us. We're developing new understandings, new insights. Things are developing under the surface. And then as the spring comes with Tubishvat, it's like the first inkling of a plant. You see this first stalk or something green, and then things start to grow. And that growth continues with the Purim holiday and then and then um, Pesach on Passover. We get our freedom, we really blossom. And then from Pesach until Shavuot, we have 50 days of incremental character development. It's 50 days where every day we work on another meter, another character trait, another way of relating to the world. Until on Shavuot, we have an experience of revelation, of closeness to God. We're on top of the mountain, or actually on the bottom of the mountain, was the top of the mountain and this heavens coming down to us. Shavuot, the holiday that we just marked, just celebrated this week, is the holiday of revelation. The giving of the Torah 
was not just a one-time event that we experienced as a nation 3,500 years ago. Shavuot, the giving of the Torah, is an annual experience of an inkling of prophecy. On Shavuot, besides the Jewish people receiving the Torah from God, the Jewish people also experienced speaking to God face-to-face, have an experience of prophecy. And an inkling of that experience comes around every year on Shavuot. Every year on Shavuot, we mark, we remind ourselves, we draw the ability to be in a close personal relationship with God and to develop the tools for something that's an inkling of prophecy, an inkling of a conversation with God. The Piasetzna Rebbe, Rabbi Klonimus Shapira explains in his book um, that every single one of the Jewish people is what's called a son of prophecy. He brings this from a Talmud, a Talmudic teaching that all of the Jewish people are called Bnei Nevi'im. Bnei Nevi'im are the sons of prophets. And he explains that sons of prophets is not a genealogical statement. It's a statement of essence. What's a son of prophets? It's not that our great-great-grandparents were prophets and therefore we're sons and children of prophets. But rather he explains that there is a statement, there is a, a word that's called ben Torah, literally a son of Torah. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that a person is a son of Torah, that he is, the Torah is his father or mother. But a ben Torah is used to mean that this person belongs to the world of Torah. You see a person walking down the street, and there's something about him, a refined character, that says that this person belongs to the world of Torah. We don't really know how much Torah that person learns. It's not um, a description of intellectual ability or of knowledge. It's something about how this person comports himself or herself, how that person behaves, What's emanating from that person that gives him or her the appellation of Ben Obat Torah? So if a Ben Torah will also learn a lot of Torah and will develop his or her intellectual ability and will acquire a lot of information about Torah, then that person will become what's called a Tamid Chacham, a scholar. But a Ben Torah is not a quantitative description, it's a qualitative description, and it's probable then somebody who is a Ben Torah, if he will learn a lot of Torah, will also become a scholar. So now, understanding that, he takes that explanation back to the appellation of Bnei Nevi'im, the sons of Nevi'im. Bnei Nevi'im doesn't mean that our great-grandparents were prophets. It means that just like a Ben Torah belongs to the world of Torah, Bnei Nevi'im belong to the world of prophecy. Every single Jew belongs to the world of prophecy. Every single Jew has the inherent capacity to be in a constant, close communication with God. But now it's something that's qualitative. The question is, how do you develop that? A person can experience that close relationship if they work on themselves, if they develop the character traits, if they develop the refinement if they invest their time in building that relationship, then they can get an inkling of prophecy. But every single Jew is capable of this relationship, close, personal, intimate relationship with God. That's an inkling of prophecy, and obviously every person at a different level.
on Shavuot, we remind ourselves that this prophecy is possible. And the Talmud says that every single person that was at Mount Sinai and every single person today at Mount Sinai on Shavuot, every single person, when they heard the word of God at the giving of the Torah, heard it as if God was speaking directly to them. Every single person felt like God was talking to him or her. I don't know if you noticed, but sometimes when you go to a Torah class, a teacher or a lecturer may say something, and you feel like they're talking directly to you. They're actually addressing an issue that's on your mind. So the same way when the people heard God speak at Mount Sinai, every single person felt like God was talking directly to him or herself. The words of Torah were relevant. Every person felt that it was close to them. The old people felt like God was talking to them, and the young people felt like God was talking to them, and the children felt like God was talking to them. And this is the power of Shavuot, which we need to take with us for the four coming months of the year, because this is the summer. This is when things are hot. This is when everything is blooming, and the fruit is going to come out this these months. It's the time when all the hard work of the year culminates in the fruit of our labor. And it is up to us right now to either reap the fruit of this year, to enjoy the results of everything we've done, to really use this energy of a lot of sun, a lot of light, a lot of ability. You know, it's just, it's hot, so everything's happening. So it's our possibility right now to really grab the bull by the horns and really reap the fruits of our labor of this year, or everything's hot so you can just get like tired and annoyed and angry because it's hot, right? So this is our challenge for the next four months. How do we turn this into the most productive time of the year? Not turn it into like a long four-month vacation when nothing is happening because we're too hot and we don't want to be working, but understand that this is the most fruitful time of the year when everything we've invested for the past eight months is now going to deliver. So yes, we have summer vacation somewhere in there, and the kids are going to be out of school, and a lot of companies really just go into slow mode in the summer, but we cannot go into slow mode. We need to use this time as the productive time, not get angry, stay away from the dangers of the hot time, but make sure that by the time this year is over in four months, we are holding a basket of achievements, of personal growth achievements, of chesed we've done to other, for other people, of terrible learned. There's so much energy, and this is the time to take advantage of it. So we'll talk more about that after the break. Make sure you don't go anywhere. Stay right here, and we'll be right back. Listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back. So on the show, once again, we're talking about the spiritual work of the summer. And I want to point out something really interesting that Rashi teaches us in Breshit in the story of Noah, when he talks about the flood. Just before Noah and his family come out of the Teva, come out of the Ark, God sets a new climate order in the world. And it says... And the days of the earth, the sowing and the reaping, cold and hot, summer and winter, day and night, will not change. And then Rashi says on this verse that there are six seasons in the year. Not four seasons like we think, but six seasons in the year that are actually brought in the Talmud. And the six seasons are the time of sowing which is in the beginning of the year in Tishrei, right? We talked about in the previous segment that the beginning of the year, Tishrei, the holidays of Tishrei is the time of sowing. So in the year, in the calendar, that corresponds to the months of Tishrei and then Cheshvan and the first half of Kislev. This is the time when we really sow the seeds physically, but that's also when we sow the spiritual energy of the year until about Hanukkah. Until about Hanukkah, it is said that a person can change his ways and really, really, really the very last point in the year when a person can change the decree of the coming year is Hanukkah. During this time, you can still figure out what it is that you're sowing for the year. What kind of spiritual energy are you putting into it? What are you going in? into this year. And then the second half of, of the months of Kislev, and then the months of Tevet, and the first half of Shvat, until Tu Shvat, it's called Kol. It's called the time of coldness, right? It's coldness, everything has been sowed, and now it is sitting there under the ground and decomposing. And then from the time of um, Tu Shvat, we have, once again, two months, so the second part of the month of Shvat, and then the month of Adar, and then from then until Passover is the time of spring when things are growing and coming out of the ground and becoming full. And then from Passover, have the months of Nisan and then Iyar and the Hatsi of Sivan, half of Sivan, up until about the time that we are right now, that's when you harvest grain. Okay, so this is still... A little bit more of a springtime. But then from now, from the time of Sivan, Sivan, the months of Sivan, half of the months of Sivan, Tammuz, and then half of Av, these, the next two months, are called Kufat Tammuz. It's the hot time of the year, and this is called summer. This is what we call summer in Hebrew. And this is the time that we gather figs. 
Israel is full of fig trees. Figs are one of the seven species for which the land of Israel is known. And if you go around and travel around Israel, you will find fig trees all over. Now, I don't know how many of you have actually seen a fig tree or a fig in nature. So you have this beautiful green and then purple figs hanging on the trees. But if you don't pick the fig at an exactly right moment, then it becomes full of insects and it decomposes and falls off. And it is said in the Talmud that you have to keep your eye on the fig. You have to pick it up at exactly the right moment when it's already ready and ripe, but it hasn't gotten all um, insectful and disgusting. So you have to keep an eye on your actions. This is exactly what we're talking about in the previous part of our show. This is the time when everything ripens. But if you're not careful, if you don't put your eye on your actions, if you're not making sure that you're doing things from a proper space, then you can get all infested with the insects, the spiritual insects of ego, of anger. This time that is hot is also considered to be the time of Asaph. Not the time of Yaakov, but the time of Asaph. Because Asaph is red-headed. He has all this hot energy in him. And this hot energy can come out in all kinds of really bad ways. It can come out as violence or as improper sexuality or um, anger. And we have to be careful not to tap into that energy of Asaph. We have to be careful to, yes, be productive and, yes, gather the fruit of our labor and yes understand that the summer is really a productive time when there's so much energy that can be channeled for good things but we have to do it still from the place of um, modesty and humility with the energy of Yaakov which is exactly what Asaph missed. Asaph had such amazing potential, so much energy, so much ability, so much capability But instead of channeling it through a place of humility, understanding that everything he had, all these gifts, all this energy had to be channeled with a consciousness of God for godly purposes, for holy purposes. Instead, Asaph took all of that to a place of violence and ego and anger. And we have to be very careful to stay away from those places. And then the end of the year, the very last two months, uh, half of the months of Tammuz and Av and Elul and the first half of Tishrei, that's the really, really hot time. That's the time when the sun is really, really out and that's when the energy is at its peak. So what can help us use this time productively and reap the opportunities, the fruit of the season, without going into places of Asaph. And we have to be careful to follow the teachings of this Torah for this time. This week's Torah portion, Bahalotha, is the last Torah portion that has laws about the creation of the Mishkan, the establishment of the tabernacle. But from next week on, we're going to be going through one crisis of the Jewish people after the other the sin of the Miraglim, of the spies, and the rebellion of Korah against Moshe Rabbeinu. And then the story of Balak, how Balak and Bilam came to curse the Jewish people, and that ended 
with a mass of rebellion, with a massive group of Jewish people going off with non-Jewish women in promiscuous ways. And then, so in the coming weeks, we're going to be facing a lot of crises, seeing what happens when all of this amazing positive energy goes off into wrong ways. What happens when all this energy, instead of being channeled into Torah and observance and spirituality and a connection to God, is channeled into fighting, anger, promiscuity, and violence, and ego. And these Torah portions are so important. If we learn this Torah, if we read the Torah portion every week, then we get a reminder, there's a lot of energy out there. Be sure to channel it the right way. And also the coming weeks, also remember that the time of the summer, we commemorate the three weeks before the destruction of the temple, and then the destruction of the temple on Tisha B'Av. So these three weeks really um, come with a lot of energy of Asaph and destruction. We're about a month away from that, but we're going towards that. And we'll be reading a lot about the destruction, the destructive energy that comes from people who are worshiping themselves, from people who are not mindful of their relationships, because we know that the destruction of the temple resulted from people paying attention only to their own needs. Both the first temple and the second temple were destroyed because people were not mindful of their relationship with others. And sometimes it came out in a relationship with God, and sometimes it came out in a relationship with other people. But being self-focused and not channeling energy to the right places really creates a lot of destruction. And this is going to be a major theme of this coming summer, of every summer in the Jewish calendar. So, during the last segment, I will talk about an advice that this Torah portion gives us of how to stay away from these places of failure, how to stay away from these places of falling. What's the Torah's advice how to go into the summer properly. But what I would like you to do before we go into the next segment is to take a moment and think what are the fruits of your labor that you would like together this summer? What has happened to you since the beginning of the Jewish year, since Rosh Hashanah? What have been some of your experiences? What have been some of your challenges? What have you learned over the past eight months? What have been your takeaways? Every year has a theme. Has there been a theme to your year so far? And what would you like to take away with you this summer? If you can picture yourself arriving at Rosh Hashanah the next new year, four months from now, and you can see yourself carrying a basket of achievements, what do you see having in that basket? What is in that basket already? And what fruit, yes, allegorically, would you want to add to that basket so that you feel that this year has been really productive and you got things done? So this is exactly the kind of figs, quote-unquote, that you have a chance to gather right now. This is something, if you're mindful of it, if you put it down in paper, in drawing, or in writing, then you can focus your energy on so that you can make sure that you really take the things that are important away from this year. So think about that during the break, and we'll come back after the break with an amazing piece of advice from the Torah on how to make sure that we go 
for the right achievements and the right energy and what we do with our failures. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. Welcome back. So during this last third segment of today's show, I would like to share a piece of advice that the Torah gives us on how we need to travel with God in this world, how we need to go through the world in a way that is mindful of God's existence, and also in a way that supports our learning and development process. What's the mindfulness we need to have so that we can learn from the failures not get despondent, not get discouraged, to keep the eyes on the prize that will help us get to where we want to get to in every way in our life. And in this week's Torah portion, the Torah says that the Jewish people traveled through the desert from Mount Sinai to the land of Israel based on the word of God. Um, the Jewish people traveled through the desert and they would travel and then they would make a stop. They'd travel and they would make a stop. And it was God's word and God's signs of the cloud and the fire that would signify to the Jewish people whether to continue traveling or to make a stop and encamp. And sometimes they would encamp for a day and sometimes they would encamp for years. But it was God's decision at every single point where they would stop, and for how long. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that every single person goes for 42 travels and encampments during his lifetime, just like the Jewish people in the desert had 42 um, travels and encampments. And just like in the desert, God led them during um, telling them which way to go and where to encamp and for how long, the same thing happens in our life. We're guided by God, and God decides when we travel forward, when we have to stay put. So we travel in this life by word of God. But there's a deeper lesson in this week's Torah portion. The Torah uses this phrase, Al pi Hashem pi Hashem based on the word of God, the Jewish people traveled, and based on the world of God, they encamped three separate instances in this week's star portion. And not only that, but the language chooses changes a little bit. First, it says, by the word of God, they traveled, and by the word of God, they encamped. But then the other two times, it changes the order, and it says, 
by the word of God they encamped and by the word of God they traveled. So we have two very important rules in the learning of the Torah. First of all, there is nothing that is extraneous in the Torah. If the Torah uses the same term or almost same term three different times, then there is significance to that. But also, everything is very precise. So if the Torah changes the wording and the order of the words, then there is significance to that too. Thus, the question is, what is the significance of using this terminology three times, and why does the order change? And I found a beautiful, beautiful teaching in the book of Degel Mechane Ephraim, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. And he explains as following. He gives this beautiful allegory, a metaphor, for us to understand how God is with us. So he says that when a child is small, how do you teach a child to walk? First, you carry the child, right? You carry the child or you hold him by hand so they can walk. But then you want them to encourage to walk on their own. So what you do is you leave them a little bit away from you. And then you stand by and you encourage them to walk towards you. And the older the child, the more distance you put between yourself and the child as a way to encourage them and challenge them to walk. So the Degel Mahane Ephraim uses this as a metaphor for the way people worship God. He says that God understands that people have different abilities and at different stages in their life, they're at a different level. And at different stages in their life, they need different levels of support. So at first, God is really with us there. He's really hand-holding us. And he's giving us a lot of taste, a lot of appreciation, a lot of feeling, a lot of energy in our worship. When a person first comes close to God and discovers godliness and discovers Torah and mitzvahs, many people who are new to religion, new to Judaism, experience what is called orot. They experience these lights. And they're just like so passionate about their Judaism. They're so full of energy about it. They they want to tell the whole world, and sometimes they actually go out and evangelize everybody about this newly found Judaism, and they, they love every moment, and they're just so ready to take on new mitzvot, new experiences, new commandments, new alachot. There's just a lot of energy, and there's so much pleasure. There's so much excitement, right? And where does this come from? It's because God is holding them like a child, and giving them all this support, all this pleasure. Basically, they're working hand-in-hand with God. But why? Because they're in the beginning of their journey. And so they need the support. They need this energy. They need somebody to be holding them so then they can walk. But once they've walked enough, just like a little child, then God leaves them and says, okay, now you do this on their own. And this is sometimes, very often actually, After this period of energy and lights, people experience a fall. Like, all of a sudden, there's less energy, there is less excitement. They they go into despair. This is so hard. Like, why is this happening to me? Maybe sometimes they have a crisis or something happens. And the Degel Hanei Fram says, no, what happened is that after God supported you like a little child and walked with you, now God is leaving you alone. And now you have to do that on this in, on your own. Now you're challenged to come back to God through your own work. 
not being supported, not experiences this pleasure, now is your time to walk. Think of a little one-year-old that is usually carried by mommy and daddy, or that is walking with mommy and daddy. And all of a sudden, mommy and daddy leave them on the floor and step back a few steps. Put yourselves into the shoes of this one-year-old. She feels lost. She feels afar. Where's my mommy? Where's my daddy? Can I walk this? Can I do this? We don't usually see this, but there's probably a little bit of this fear that I'm all alone and can I walk? And then they try to make their way back to a parent. And this is exactly what happens to a person when they're in their first stages of serving God. After this period of excitement, there's usually a crisis, and then a person has to overcome so much challenge and fear and trepidation to make his or her way back to God. And this happens to individuals, and this is also what happened to the Jewish people when they just came out of Egypt and they received the Torah. So in the beginning, they would travel by the word of God, and they would stop by the word of God. The travel with God came first, and only then came the stops, the encampment, where you're put down, and now you have to sort of make your way back. So this was in the beginning, but what happens after the first time when you're actually plugged down and now you are standing on your own and it's all dark and you're away from God and God is not supporting you, not helping you, this encampment, so to speak, that is also created by God is now challenging you to start traveling and to make your way back to God. So this is the second time that this is said, the second time that this term is used. The first time, right, first they travel with God, that's the time of energy and pleasure, and then they encamp with God, they stop, there's no more progress. But what happens from that encampment, from that place of no progress? That's when the second time this term is used. They first encamp by the word of God, and then they travel. The fact that you're not making progress, the fact that you are stuck, the fact that you are just there all alone, that challenges and pushes you to start traveling by the word of God. And this is why the order is reversed. First you encamp and then you travel. And when you travel, you're doing this on your own. You're growing on your own because you're investing all of this work that comes from you. You're not supported anymore. It's something that you did on your own. And we see this in many, many places in the Torah. The first time the Jewish people got the commandments, the uh, Ten Commandments, the two tablets, it came from God in this amazing audiovisual show with lights and noises. And those uh, tablets didn't last because the Jewish people fell in the story of the golden calf. But then what happened? The second set of, of tablets that were given quietly after they made their own process of repentance, those tablets were given quietly, without the audiovisual, without the noise, without the lights, without the celebration, but those tablets were eternal. They remained forever. And the same is true in our life. Very often, the first experience we have something, it's called beginner success, right? The first time you try something, hop, it's immediate success, and it works. And you're like, hey, I got this. This isn't so hard. And then you try to do it the second time and you run into problems because the first time God gives us beginner success. Try it, see it, taste it, see what it's supposed to be like. Okay, you did it. 
Now you slide all the way back and now you have to make your way back to this success on your own with your own work. And this is why also this language of Vehanuvi so encamping that traveled happens twice in the Torah. First, it refers to little steps, baby steps that we make forward in progress of God. But then it also refers to bigger steps that happen at a later time when a person is fully spiritually developed. So it's my blessing to you that we will all finish this year with amazing baskets of achievements and we use the summer productively. And I will see you next week, same time, same place, to talk more about news from the Torah. Bye-bye now. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.